Welcome, I'm Luke Worsfold and this is the Lease Up Podcast. So today on the Lisa Global Show, we had a slightly different format in the sense that my brother joined me and we spoke about um, how it was to grow up with a mother as an alcoholic and how that affected our lives and how that played out. And it was a really interesting perspective to um, yeah, have a relationship of that nature on the show. So as always, uh, thanks for watching and I hope you enjoy. Right, so thanks for joining me on the show tonight. Yeah. Um, just tell me a bit about yeah your story, how you got there. Yeah, well basically, mum was an alcoholic and, I don't know, obviously it was a bit of shit. That's swear. <laughs> you can do what you want. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great growing up like that and at the time I thought it was all alright. We did a bit of Alateen, I think it's called, when you're younger. Didn't really get on with that because most people... I know we went to Al-Anon when we were still young and didn't really get on with that because everyone was too old for us. And then smoked a lot of weed to try and numb the pain and slowly realised that that don't work. But you said, um, yeah, you went to Alateen and Al-Anon. How, yeah, what was that like? It was quite... It was helpful really, but I think I was too immature to deal with the adults sort of telling me there. I think they were very accepting and they were very nice people and I liked the whole concept and everything like that but it just, I was a bit young I think, there wasn't an Alateen I don't think at the time so we had to go for the... the what, yeah. how old were you? Just out of interest. I think about 14, 15 at the time. Might have even been slightly older because I don't know if you're allowed to go when you're that young. But I was still a bit of a child and didn't really want to deal with it either. So it and sometimes at some points, the best option is for them to die. I yeah. know that may sound sad or, like you say, depressing, but I think that's sometimes the reality. Yeah. And we have to almost own that as well and be, find gratitude in it. Yeah, well, even though, yeah, I obviously didn't want my mum to die, the last, well, I think it was a year or two that I remember, she was in and out of hospital, she was always ill, always in a hard way, and it kind of put, put her out of her misery. I don't... It wasn't a nice life to live, and I think, yeah, in a way, if you're not going to, as harsh as it sounds, if, if you're not going to get better and you're going to keep being in pain the whole time, sometimes it might be better for that person for, to let go. I think that's what she did in the end. She just didn't want to fight anymore, so she just, her body just let go. Yeah, I think I've spoken on episodes before about almost like this fight in the addiction, and like you say, she was fighting the addiction so much, it was almost nice. She almost found her serenity through dying, if you like. Maybe that yeah. was her path. Not that I believe in God or religious or anything like that, but yeah, maybe that was her serenity and her yeah. peace was finally just letting go. Yeah, maybe she thought that that was the only way for her to beat the addiction, was to let herself go, like you say, and be peaceful. Yeah, and you said about when it came to the end, she was in hospital for like a few weeks and stuff. Yeah. How did you feel about going to see her or not going to see her? Like, yeah, what was that decision like for you? Well, it was quite hard. Again, I was quite young, so things like that. Just her seeing her slowly deteriorate and eventually kill herself. But we just used to find bottles, empty bottles of vodka around when she was telling us she wasn't drinking and things like that. It was just quite hard to see mum do that to herself. And how did it feel to like have her lie to you at the time? 
Well, I think that was when we first knew that there was sort of no coming back. It wasn't really mum anymore because she ne she'd never lied to us when we were younger or that we knew of. And once we found out she was lying about still drinking, then it was sort of like, oh, this is serious. There's a problem, definitely. Yeah, so you decided to maintain that good memory. Um, yeah. And yeah, you don't regret it now? No. 10 or however long, 15 years almost later, uh, I think I made the right choice. normal bottle of coke, what we bought, it would have vodka in it and things like that. It was just, yeah, like I say, hard to see your mum do that to herself. In a way, because of the the weight that I was saying I'd never be an alcoholic and somehow that made me be addicted to weed. I, don't know, I thought that that was a different thing and I thought that I'd never be an addict, but I've learned that I've got an addictive personality as well. And I just think like you have to be careful and make sure yeah, you don't do the wrong things. Basically, try and keep an eye on yourself. Yeah, I think sometimes we run from things like, I'm never going to be like my mum, I'm never going to be an alcoholic. Um, and then you turn around and look in the mirror and, yeah, you're no better. You smoke yeah. weed every day and you, you just didn't see it. This thing that you feared so much yeah. was almost your shadow. It was just right behind you the whole, yeah. the whole time and you were blind to it. Yeah, and um, just because it was a different label, weed addict, instead of um, drinking, you think that you're better or you're not an addict, but you're just the same, yeah. like you say. And it's still the same process, you're still in denial, I'm not an addict, I just smoke weed or, or yeah. however you decide to process yeah. it. And I had all the addictive uh, things like that, yeah. And I'll just do it because I want to, because I have fun, and <laughs> which is what they all say. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to, I do it because I want to. It's the, the same thing a lot of the time. And what would you say got you through those stages that, that mum never achieved, if you like? I think a lot, well in a way it's, I've always felt that I kind of feel like I have to live extra because she had a short life and she'd want us to have a good life and my support network's good, you, you help me a lot with all the personal development and things like that, counselling helps a lot as well, definitely meditation and yoga as well helps, just sort of get the peace of mind and learn to let things go, all of that helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, I always remind myself and I've told myself in some of my own dark days that, you know, um, her life was never the example, it was her death that was the lesson. Yeah, wise words. You know, yeah. I'd always just say that mantra to myself to give me strength and just to remind myself, yeah, that that, that wasn't the way. But then, yeah, to an extent her life was the lesson, in a way, lesson of how not to live. It was an example of what poor choices can do to your life. And even when you've got three boys and a loving husband, sometimes it's just not enough. Yeah, it's quite... don't normally think about it this deep. <laughs> it's quite strange. Yeah. But how do you feel like it's affected you emotionally through this journey? Well, yeah, at first I thought it hadn't, and I didn't realise at the time, but me smoking weed to numb the pain in my eyes wasn't why I did it because I started off just doing it with friends and then probably like more well, 10 years or so I didn't realise and then coming towards the end of smoking it I realised that every time I got sad I smoked more so it was kind of like that was why and then a lot of the time I was similar to most addicts I was then more sad because I got stoned and didn't do the things I wanted to do so it was just a cycle of being sad and smoking because I'm sad and being sad because I smoke and then there's only one way of getting out of it.
Yeah. And I just felt I was in a rut and felt that I had to do something to change that. Yeah, it's almost like we're so self-critical and put ourselves down so much to the point where we use a drug and then it's almost like, oh, I'll use that drug so I can self-criticise more. And it's yeah. almost the fuel, it becomes the fuel on the fire yeah. of self-criticism. Um, yeah, like you say, it's interesting. Yeah, it's weird and you don't see it, you're blind to it. You think, oh, this is helping me. But it's actually the thing that you think is helping you is making it worse. And it's the main cause of all the problems. You need to face your fears and face your problems. You don't run. It doesn't seem to work. And I think I don't think it helped that our dad's very men don't have feelings and and so we were always brought up like that. To it, it may work for him and he doesn't mean it in a negative way, but we were always taught we're men we're hard we don't we don't cry we don't have feelings we're not we don't do that. So it was quite I think that's why I've never dealt with them properly because I just thought no we just push them down and they'll go away. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> yeah, they don't go. They're still there. But you said um, you were blind to your own behaviour. How did you learn to sing? Well, I think a lot of it was I. I don't know. Just over time, I because I still think I had a good life. Like I was a snowboarding instructor, travelling, doing what exactly what I wanted to do. But then I don't know my personal life and and my mindset was just not getting any better. I was, I was, should have been the happiest person alive doing exactly what I wanted and a lot of the time I was but I just wasn't living to my potential I could have done more and I found out after years that it was the weed that was holding me back I'm not saying I'm the best person ever now but I just feel better and every day I wake up and I know what's going on I don't feel like I've just been hit around the head with a baseball bat and trying to spend half the day to figure out what's going on and then you're already stoned by then so you don't know. Just can't think about anything. It just it's not a good way to live. And that felt normal, which is scary now to look at. And you said, yeah, like our dad said, you know, we don't have emotions, hide your emotions. Do you think that was obviously the direct correlation between smoking weed and not having emotions and hiding from them? I think to an extent, yeah, I don't like I said, I don't think I ever associated the two together, but I just think not facing my emotions and smoking weed happened to sort of help each other. I didn't, like I said, I didn't realise, but then after a while I realised that I'd smoke when I was sad, so it was, it was making it a lot worse. So, it's, yeah, I definitely realised after time that they, they did work together, or against me, basically, but I didn't realise at first that that's what was causing it. Like I say, I thought that was my medicine. I thought, oh, this is making it all better. And it does temporarily, and then it comes and all hits you again later on. Like with a lot of addicts, you're using it to run away from the problem. Yeah. That's nice. why I find it hard not to judge people now, because I've got through my battle, and I kind of think, I find it hard not to look at people that are weak, but I try to remember when I was in their shoes, and how it was to not even know that you were an addict. So they're not doing anything wrong really, they just don't know, they need to shine that light on there. They need to come to the realisation themselves, a lot of people. And like I say, yeah, how did you come to that realisation? Yeah, it was just over years of doing the wrong thing and wanting more out of life. I don't know, I, I often think that people just need to be strong-willed. My will to progress in life was higher my need for smoking. I just almost got to a point where I realised it wasn't 
doing any good for me. And I even struggled getting off because I'd all my friends smoking and all that, so I'd I stopped for a while and then I think, oh no, it's alright, I'll just do it. And then in the end it was giving me negative feelings, so I realised that what a bad effect it had. And I'd feel like crap the next day all day. Whereas uh, that used to feel normal. And now it just is a big shock. It feels really strange. So yeah, sort of winding myself off helped a lot. Yeah. I feel like it's like you dig this hole down really deep and then you start to get to the point where you can't even see the top anymore. Um, and a lot of the times I'd almost feel like um, in my own grave, I've dug my own grave and I'm hanging in the last few nails and that's it, you know, I'm gone um, because I'm so deep like in this hole of addiction. But then I'd always remind myself, you know, Luke, you haven't been buried, you've been planted. Yeah. And you have so much potential in you to grow and like come out of the soil, you know, you, you're not buried. Yeah. And yeah, it's just the understanding and realisation of that potential. I don't know, that just gave me hope, that made me in this hole that I dug see the light at the top and think if I can start filling this back in and it's a slow process and like you say, sometimes we relapse a few times and it takes time to overcome this. But eventually, yeah, it's, it's possible to come out and slowly the, the light at the top gets bigger and bigger and we start to yeah, climb our way out. But I think it's about, I don't know, managing this balance or, I don't know, understanding that you can get out. Well, I think a lot of the personal development we've been into helps a lot where it's trying to use your, the negative things that have happened to you rather than say, oh, that's happened, so give up on life because I've had a hard life. Go, oh, how can I use that in a positive? I'm now emotionally stronger. I'm a, yeah, I'm a better person for that, even though at the time it's, it hurts and feels horrible. Try and use that to your advantage rather than give up and, and be a, what's it called, like a victim rather than say, oh, the world's against me. Try and say, right, well, this is just a lesson or a test and now I need to get past that and be a better person for that. Yeah. Yeah, personal development as well, that, yeah, that did help a lot. And meditation, I'd recommend that to people. Also, I used to get angry when I was younger, and I, I was quite horrible to a lot of people. And at the time, I didn't see it, but that was a lot to do with. I almost, yeah, felt like my mum had left me, so I was allowed to do what I wanted. Yeah, I was going to say you were quite young when it happened, and you said Dad wasn't like didn't really teach us to show our emotions. So I wondered how that little kid, feeling so sad from the loss of you know our mum, how he dealt with that. Yeah, well, I didn't at the time. I just thought because I didn't have emotions, I thought I'm fine. But looking back, I was horrible to a lot of people. You got the brunt of it sometimes. I think we both took it out on each other sometimes because we didn't didn't know, or because we apparently didn't have emotions. We didn't know how to let it out properly, so we used to fight and cause trouble, which guys do a lot. But I think we did it more because we missed our mum and we didn't know how to tell people that we didn't think we were supposed to. Yeah, yeah, like you say, it's almost if that kind of behaviour is shrugged off, boys will be boys, you know, they're three boys, they fight. Um, but at the same time, it's like, we weren't given permission to be sad, and then that caused us to be angry, you know? Yeah. It's like in society, men aren't allowed to be sad, you know, that's weak, or that's, you know, kind yeah. of vulnerable. But you, you're allowed to be angry, you're allowed to fight people, like yeah. say boys yeah, that's, and that's boys. That's normal for guys to do yeah, that. Just go and punch it out, guys. But, get, but girls cry, that's what you're told, isn't it? Yeah. Girls are the ones that get sad, mm -hmm. whereas that's why it's good that nowadays the stigma of men being hard has 
sort of going a bit, men are allowed to be emotional now. Because we're all human beings, we all have emotions. And yeah, it might be good to be tough, but men cry too. And I think also without him meaning to, like because he, your dad's always your hero, we sort of didn't want to show him that we were weak because we thought, I don't know, again, like approval for, what's it called, um, like love, unconditional love. We've got unconditional love from our dad, but we almost see it as conditional, where you're told, oh, you've done that wrong, you're bad. We sort of, even though he never told us that we were, were, were weak because we were emotional, we thought that he would think less of us, maybe. I thought, thought that. So we would just fight instead. Because that makes you strong, even though it's the complete wrong thing to do. Yeah, yeah it's almost as if the condition like for his love was to not show love. Yeah, again, without, I don't think he ever meant to, to be like that, but I think that's how it came across to us. And because we were too young to understand, yeah, that's just how it came out. And also he wasn't allowed to necessarily express his pain either. Because he was the dad, he was strong, yeah. and he must have been going through a lot. That was his wife. Yeah. He had three kids with her. That must have been extremely hard. It's almost as if like, we were up with this group of men, all trying to be manly. Yeah. All, we, all we really wanted to do is just yeah, dead it all out. Yeah, you just want to hug, but you don't. Yeah. You've got to be hard and fight people yeah. instead. Just, just, yeah, you get a punch in the arm instead. Yeah, exactly. Stop, stop being a wuss, puncher. Yeah. That's, that's what happens instead of getting hugged. Yeah, a lot of it was because we weren't, we thought we weren't allowed to show it, but yeah, I think we were all in the same boat because I think his family were the same men, well, we know for a fact, our granddad says men don't have emotions, <laughs> if you say so, but <laughs> we definitely do, and yeah, I think that's, again, that, that's changing now, but that's how it's always been over the years, and even slightly still now. And how do you feel? now being able to experience like your full range of emotions or how yeah how do you feel your emotional intelligence is now from going back from where you were then to being a kid that like i say had to express anger instead of sadness how do you feel like you are now what stage are you at if you want to put it in stages yeah well again i don't know it's hard to like judge or give yourself a level but i definitely think my emotional maturity is a lot higher and again a lot of that's down to meditation because it's even now I still lose my temper, I still have sad thoughts, but it kind of has taught me to notice when I'm doing that and like let things go and yeah, realise that it's not the end of the world. Because yeah, it's not, it doesn't help you to be sad and angry for no reason all the time. So you just kind of need to learn to, to deal with those emotions and find the trigger and try not to do that. But how do you feel like sitting with an emotion like sadness? Anger now. I, know, I still find it kind of hard to to sort of access those emotions. And I even said to my counsellor, she said about oh, when you feel sad about your mum, you should sit with that. And I said to her, it's like banging your head against the wall. You know it's going to hurt. So why would you keep doing it? <laughs> like if I kind of still see it as counterproductive. Like every now and then I will think about mum, but I try not to. Like a lot of people celebrate the day that someone died. In my opinion, that's a stupid thing to celebrate, not celebrate, but remember that day, that's, the day my mum died was the worst day of my life, why would I want to remember that? Like, so to me, that might be part of me shutting my emotions down, but I just don't think that that is something to think, to remember. But like, I try and remember the, the good things that happen with mum, I don't 
try and remember that she killed herself and that she was really ill and, and all that. I try and remember the nice mum that was happy and used to take us riding horses and she was a great mum when we were younger. I don't want to remember the sad bits, I want to remember the goodness. But I still find it hard, going back to what you said, to sit with emotions. I try but I'm sort of borderline coming out of this repressive stage where I can access them a little bit but they're not always there when I want them. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah, I mean, I, I feel like, yeah, we shouldn't dwell on our emotions, like you say, sit there and, like, I don't know, flick through a book sobbing, uh, of memories of mum necessarily, but I think emotional intelligence is about recognising the emotion and not suppressing it and allowing it to exist in that moment and say, right, I'm feeling sadness or I'm feeling anger, anger. that's okay, and just yeah. allowing it to exist, you know, not pushing it away, hiding from it or making a, jo a joke and trying to like change your mood really quickly so that you're, that you're not in that emotion but being able to yeah sit with it and enjoy it yeah i do try and do that like a little while ago someone was in in the town playing the, the song that was at our mum's funeral when we left and i, I sort of heard that and usually i'd walk away and so i could join it and forget whereas like i tried to sort of sit and think much as I don't believe in the afterlife, it's almost a sign and just be happy and remember the goodness of mum. I did sit there and kind of take that in rather than forget about it and get angry and sad. Kind of tried to see it as a nice thing and sit with that emotion. Even though it did make me a little bit sad, it was kind of a, a nice little reminder of mum. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was good to sit with that. Yeah, it's really nice. But yeah, we're coming to the end now. But I guess I just have to say that, yeah, I think she'd be really proud. Yeah, I, I hope she would. I'd like to try and make her as proud as I can. I'd like to say, sort of live on what I think she'd like me to do. And, yeah, try my best to make her proud, like you say. And hope it's working. <laughs> yeah, thanks very much for coming. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime. As always, thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share and I really wish you well on your journey to serenity. <laughs>